We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Week 8 edition of the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Show here on Roto-Grinders. I am Britt Devine coming to you live from my hotel room uh, down in Florida, a little place called Disney World. But there was no way I was going to miss this week's show uh, with Mr. Ian Harditz from PFF. Uh, Ian, what's up, my man? Just uh, working on vacay, man. Look at you, just grinding, uh, sh- showing showing why you're a part of uh, Roto Grinders. But yeah, man, doing good. I'm gonna be in uh, Florida next week, Fort Lauderdale uh, area. They're celebrating a wedding, so uh, you got the sunshine right now. But I'll be catching up to you. But I guess it's a fun uh, week eight, man. There's so many, I think, viable plays like in the middle uh, tiers of the pricing at pretty mm-hmm. much every position that we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about DFS. The thing, you know, when uh, I-, I saw some of your notes. In regards to sports betting, I don't, I don't like anything I'm betting this week. I don't think anybody no. does around the industry today. So um, I guess we'll uh, we'll get over to some of this. Now, we aren't doing any screen share today because I just have my one little dinky laptop today. So if you want to, uh, if you're normally accustomed to watching this live and getting all of that, you're going to have to go over to Pro Football Focus, read Ian's article. It is free for everyone this week if you want to get, uh, you know, I usually go through it with everybody, uh, but you will have to head over there this week. Uh, but Ian, I still have it pulled up here and I'm able to read through of it. Uh, let's pretend some of these people are new to either Roto-Grinders or to our YouTube feed. Uh, give a little uh, insight into what we're going to talk about here for the next 10 or 15 minutes, and then we'll jump right into it. Yeah, real quick, just you know, when we talk about the idea of a mismatch, what do we always do? If a run game set up well, it's a number three offense versus a number 30 defense. What I've done for the six categories we're going to go over is basically just combine those numbers for the same stats. And because of that, once you have some conditional formatting, real easy to see where we are expecting, you know, a great offense to face a bad defense and whatever stat we are looking at. And then from there, obviously, we got to add some context to it, which is why Britt and I go through it. Yeah, so let's get right into this uh, home, in a way, explosion rate. This is big plays, uh, you know, like Jamar Chase, right? We're going to get some big plays from him. Hopefully those can continue this week against the Jets. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Uh, What are some big matchups we can expect for some big plays on offense? And then maybe some teams that might struggle to put up those, those chunk yardage plays. Chasing the Bengals popping as number one this week, actually tied with the Seahawks, but obviously a lot of that is coming from Russell Wilson's uh, early season contributions. I will say though, the Jaguars are second to last in explosive pass play rate allowed this year. So, you know, maybe just maybe they can throw their best player DK Metcalf more than uh, five balls. One of these weeks, even if it's not Russ, I still think he could potentially be a decent uh, tournament option. Also have a uh, Matthew Stafford just really popping in the model. Hey, Britt, you know, we keep talking about Tyler Higby and maybe Robert Woods or whoever. Maybe, maybe one of these weeks, Cooper Cup won't score all the touchdowns. No, I, th- I think it is just Cooper Cup every season. He's, uh, I saw some tweet that someone, he was, he's the new Michael Thomas. Maybe it was Jordan here at Roto Grinders, <laughs> but he just, he just gets, he even has more touchdown equity right now than Michael Thomas. And it just seems so easy for him. But I will say, uh, Van Jefferson, now that we have found out that Deshaun Jackson is, him and the Rams are mutually seeking a trade partner, Van Jefferson, I think that 90 
90% snap rate we saw last week is real. We saw it earlier in the year, but then DJX just came back. So not a guarantee, but I think Van continuing to have that sub 4K salary uh, does make sense in really good spots such as this one. And then quickly, top two guys that could have some trouble, Tua and Justin Fields and also Jared Goff and Davis Mills. Uh, not looking very good either to pretty much nobody's surprise. Seems like the horrible quarterbacks might have trouble being uh, picking up those chunk yardage plays. Who would have thought something like that? <laughs> Uh, scrolling down on your article again, apologies uh, for not having the screen share this week. Uh, let's go to pace. This is one of the main things that feeds into projection systems that allows players to get more snaps on the field, more snaps equals more fantasy points. What are the best matchups? And then also we have to be aware of some slow matchups out there. And there are definitely some spots this week with players we want to use where the, at least the pace of the game doesn't really look that great. Yeah, number one, which brings me back to, I think it was week two, and we were on this very same show, having the same conversation. Dolphins and the Bills, and I bet the over on them this week, largely because of the pace in the Buffalo Bills history of just putting up all sorts of numbers on the Dolphins. Of course, when the Dolphins contribute zero points to the effort, it's hard to hit an over. <laughs> so, But truly, man, last five matchups here, Josh Allen has hung 35, 56, 31, 37, and 31 points on this uh, Miami Dolphins defense. So if Tua could just even a little bit hold up his his end of the bargain this time uh maybe just maybe we can get that over also rams texans patriots chargers and the monday night game giants cheese popping as a little bit faster paced spot the slow ones are the Bengals and the jets now they are starting to finally unleash burrow a little bit more he still had you know enough pace to ring up 38 pass attempts in pretty much three quarters of play against the ravens last week so that's been good to see but yeah in terms of a bring back on the Jets side of things especially with Corey davis out i think it's like michael carter or more likely just nobody uh, from that group also have the Steelers and the Browns and the Titans and Colts projecting as a little bit more slower moving than we would like to see yeah Titans Colt game is interesting because I think there's going to be some players we want to use from that game uh, we got to hope maybe maybe the pace of that game if it's back and forth and they're scoring maybe it'll yeah. be a little bit faster than what you know the the monsoon game that the Colts pit laid in last week and things like that yeah. um, but I am a little concerned for that game and yet the Bengals do you think they were just sort of protecting Joe Burrow maybe for the, what, the first two, three, four weeks? And now now they realize they have uh, they have the sports car on Jamar Chase, right? They have that. They want to unleash it. Do you think they maybe sort of turn the page a little bit more? That's what I'm hoping for. I think so, man. But that was what, I mean, that was what made it so annoying in the first couple of weeks, though, because they wanted to protect him, which I get. But he took 10 sacks in the first two weeks of the season, like, not having a quarterback pass until it's third and long isn't the best way of protecting him. Having him throw more often as a whole and just being able to get the ball out quicker, like he's been able to do, you know, what really the second best quarterback only to Kyler Murray against the blitz uh, this season, that's been the best route for their offense and accordingly his health. So whatever it is they're doing, man, it certainly is working for them better in uh, recent weeks. And I think chase will keep getting his and maybe man, with all this starting to move in the right direction, nice little bounce back spot for T Higgins this week. Yeah. All right. Let's go to pressure rate. This is uh, again on your article over at pro football focus uh, quarterbacks that will have all time to throw. That is good. Usually for fantasy, but your name's Sam Darnold and then quarterbacks who are under pressure. Uh, they can have some trouble uh, on the DFS streets if they're not able to get the ball out of their hands quickly. What are the good and bad matchups this week? Big three expected to be under the most duress are Carson Wentz, Tua and Jameis Winston. Jameis is interesting because there's really no one you feel that confident about stacking them with. I guess Callaway and Traquan, if you think of bounce back, but his issue has been volume and nobody really even tries to run the ball against Tampa Bay these days. So I do wonder if Jameis, if they can keep him upright, give him a clean pocket, could have sort of a, you know, first, he's had those four and five touchdowns games, but they came on like so few pass attempts. So I wonder if we could finally see Jameis get in the forties with the pass attempts this week, but maybe with those receivers, it just doesn't matter either way. And then uh, with uh Wentz there against the Titans. I will say the good news is, I mean, Harold Landry has been awesome with Tennessee, but Wentz in that monsoon game, he looked way more spry than he had while he was playing through two sprained ankles during the early parts of the season. So with Wentz, he had 23 rushing yards uh, last week. I believe the previous four games combined, 
he was only at like 18. So I still don't hate the idea of going the Wentz here. Now that he is able to move more, now that he's got Quentin Nelson back protecting him, I'm, I'm not so worried about him in this equation. Tough to say too many good things. Gotta go smash that that Wentz rushing yard prop if you can find it. Yeah, seriously, man. It's probably still uh, a bit too low. Those things take a bit to adjust. Uh, guys, that should be just fine to pocket Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. That's more because he's just kind of a – I won't say a bad word, but he gets the ball out of his hands awfully quick uh, in the face of any minute amount of pressure where Brady, I mean, look, I understand the saints were kind of his kryptonite over the, you know, and the only times we saw him look mortal last year came against the saints pretty much. But Hey, when we got Antonio Brown out, when we got Marshawn Lattimore expected to be locking up with Mike Evans, I think there could be another big week ahead for Chris Goblin. All right, let's go to the run game. Uh, Let's, look at yards before contact uh you want running backs that can just get three four yards before someone's actually touching them you generally don't want running backs that are getting hit in the backfield that's uh you know it's a lot harder to gain yards that way uh, it looks like the matchup we really want to use and this one i i i bet this game earlier in the week on monday because i thought Dak was going to play uh no, that's looking I'm, i gotta i gotta put two hands together and pray that something happens on that because it's looking a little less likely uh, on friday when we record this that he's going to that looks like zeke and this running game should smash you gotta worry though Will they sort of stack the box against that? Or, you know, I, I think I think that is what they'll, they'll probably end up doing. Yeah. Um, but what are some other offenses maybe on the main slate that should be able to run the ball at will this week? Yeah, and really, I think a lot of good options potentially for uh, tournaments. We got the Browns set up well against the Steelers. Nick Chubb, first game back. And they, I think we're expecting him to go back into at least his full-time role that he had before, if not even larger now that Kareem Hunt isn't in the picture. I know Dearness Johnson was great, so maybe they do just more or less give Chubb Dearness role. But, hey, we can live with that kind of either way. So Chubb is someone that might have reduced ownership this week in his first game back. And I don't, I think going to the well with him and that Browns D against big Ben, who we know is going to turn it over uh, could be a good move. Lions uh, set up pretty well. Bill set up pretty well. The other really interesting one I think is the Patriots against the chargers because Damon Harris last week was someone that, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself got on a lot more after Ramondre Stevenson was a healthy scratch and this matchup in terms of Damian Harris being this positive game script back, you see him as like a five and a half point underdog. It might've gone down like to four uh, last time I saw it, but normally you wouldn't think that's good for him. He doesn't catch enough passes uh, to stay involved throughout the game, but the chargers like just don't care if teams run on them. And we've seen this tested against the two teams that they should against the Browns and the Ravens. And they still just let those offenses run all over them. They're dead last in yards before contact per carry dead last in average depth of tackle. Like it's basically, Brandon Staley's entire philosophy to let teams run and I get it against like 28 29 teams in the league but not against the Browns not against the Ravens and really not against the Patriots who we've seen and McDaniels and Belichick over the years continue to just really try to you know be smart coaches and exploit their defense exploit their opposition's weaknesses so Damian Harris in tournaments man I think does make a lot of sense given how good this matchup is yeah, I think that line moved on the Austin Eckler news. And if we've learned, do running backs even matter, Ian? This is this is a sort of a topic. I think Eckler probably matters a little bit to the overall line because he is so dynamic in that offense. But I think that's the reason. They uh, all matter. The only reason why they don't matter is because the salary caps. And then it's like, who yeah. needs to matter the less out of these 22 positions that we need to pay? Why? Yeah. Like, if they don't matter, then how come Alabama and Ohio State are always trying to recruit the best running backs? Like, they obviously fucking matter. It's just... In the grand scheme of things, in fantasy football, if we can give 20 touches to two guys, who cares? Like That's why they don't matter in fantasy. All right. Let's look at combined yards per drop back before we get to the EPA plays, which always have a – you can uh, do a little bit of sports betting lead with that as well. Uh, what are some guys that should perform pretty well? This is this is sort of like last week as I'm going through these charts, and Matt Stafford should absolutely dominate because every single thing I look at, it looks like his matchup is extremely good this week. Yeah, and this one, it tends to kind of just uh, be fairly similar to the offensive setup best to create some explosive plays. The other team that is sticking out, though, is the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Now, Jalen Hurts, and I think we talked about him playing in that cash game discussion, he's now had 11 starts, and he's finished as a top-12 quarterback in 10 of those, with the only one coming when Nate Sudfield got put out there for the fourth quarter. So 
with Jalen Hurts, like it might actually not take until the fourth quarter uh, this week. He's been the QB 15 in fantasy points per game and quarters one through three, QB one in the fourth quarter. So God forbid Jalen Hurts has a little more success before the last 15 minutes of the game. We could be looking at like a true slate breaking performance in this one. Um, anyone that's set up bad. I'll be interested to see what happens in this Panthers Falcons game because Terrence Marshall and McCaffrey are obviously out again for Carolina. You know, I'm not going to sit here and go as hard into Robbie Anderson as I did uh, last week, but I'll tell you this, Britt, if I have a uh, 10 tournament lineups out there, I think Robbie will make at least one of them. And on the Atlanta side of things, I'm guessing Calvin Ridley will be fetching a pretty uh, hefty amount of ownership, but you know, Dante Jackson has been doing a good job in shadow coverage should be following him around might not be the sort of shootout. I think maybe we would have thought it would be five, weeks ago with that said dj moore maybe even kyle pitts um i think could overcome it all right let's uh finish up your article on combined epa per play uh what are the biggest differentials here this week because these are some things you've kept track of this for a while um the the teams that have the advantage but are the underdog those are generally the ones that can turn out to be reasonable uh bets at the book yeah, they told us the Titans last week, and we just ignored it. We ignored the trusty chart, man. Can't be, uh, can't be doing it. This week, we only have one underdog that does seem to have the um, offensive advantage relative to their opponent, and it's the Carolina Panthers. And this is what's scary because the two quarterbacks are moving in completely opposite directions. Darnold was playing very well the first three weeks of the year. He hasn't finished a game in the last four weeks with a PFF uh, passing grade uh, better than like 24th. Meanwhile, Matt Ryan was really having a rough start of the year. He's had three straight games with a PFF passing grade of at least 88, which is really, really, really good. So in this one, you know, probably going to have to fade my chart, my trusty chart once again. But if the Panthers uh, manage to pull off the upset in Atlanta, you know, I'll, I'll just say I told you so. That gimmick quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, right? Just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get it done against the Titans. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, all right. That's going to do it for the mismatch manifesto recap. Again, apologies for the screen share uh, not being able to be done this week. Uh, we wanted to make sure the video quality and audio quality was clear enough. We didn't want to stress everything out. Uh, if you did want to read it, you can go check that out over at Pro Football Focus. It is free. Uh, you can find that. Uh, just search Ian Harditz uh, on the little search bar, and you should be able to find that very easily. Uh, at PFF. And if you want access to anything else over at PFF, the grades or the team totals, um, at least the team grades and things like that, I use that a lot in my research. You can get subscriptions over there for all of that fun stuff. Uh, all right, Ian, let's jump into sports betting. Uh, last week, my, my three, the three picks I put on here didn't really do too great. So I'm hoping to have a little bit of a bounce back this week. And I mentioned at the top of the show, that neither one of us really like what we're betting here. I've gone, um, I tried the Eagles last week against the Raiders and that blew up, but I think I'm going to go back to them this week because the lions are not the Raiders. Ian. I think it's this pretty simple that the lions are, I think pretty clearly a bottom two or three team in the league. And I don't think the Eagles are, I think Jalen hurts. And this is the, the Eagles have had a really tough schedule too. And this is about as cupcake of a matchup as it gets. So I really like the Eagles um, getting three and a half on that one. Thank you for correcting me. They are favorites at three and a half, but I think they cover that pretty easily. And at least in the DFS streets, when we get to that at quarterback, everyone's going to be playing Jalen Hurts and cash games. Um, so it just sort of goes along with that one. Uh, a couple other ones. I got a big favorite. Uh, I got the Bengals at minus 10 and a half. I don't against Mike White, right? Like 10 and a half. This seems pretty easy. easy. And did you see what they did? To the Ravens just uh, just last week. This looks like a pretty easy line for me. I know they are on the road, but I don't expect Mike White to just complete forty dump offs and uh, to break a couple of those. Right. So, like for touchdowns, that's just not going to happen. Uh, I think the Bengals are going to be able to do whatever they want on offense. I think their defense. People are going to be playing the Bills on DraftKings at thirty three hundred. I think paying three hundred dollars more for the Bengals uh, in tournaments makes a little bit of sense too, because this is just there, there's no uh, there's no talent on this entire Jets offense anywhere on the field right now. Um, so I think the Bengals cover really quick, and you don't really have to worry if they're up two touchdowns late. Like the ability of Mike White to get them down the field to get the backdoor cover, I think is really really low on this one. So I think that one's pretty safe. And then you were talking about Jameis Winston, uh, maybe a little bit that he was able to maybe get some things done. I'm going to squash that because the Buccaneers, I, I know they've had some trouble against the Saints in recent history. They've been able to shut down Tom Brady and they've been able to shut down Mike Evans. But I, I, don't, I don't know if you're able to shut down Tom Brady four times in a row as a team. Uh, I think that's pretty tough. So I think the Bucs four and a half, that seems more like it should be a touchdown to me. 
So those are the three I've got on here. And I got to be honest, other than that, it, it's pretty ugly this week. Your bets, there's one I'm going to disagree with you on. So I, maybe I'll see if you can figure out which one it is. Uh, but I do like uh, a couple of the other ones you have here. Yeah, I, so real quick with Jameis, I think he could have the volume to do something this week. Yeah, like, there's no, just no talent. I, I hear you, and that's pressure. Uh, combined yards per draft, drop back, he's ranking as one of the worst ones. So, no, I think Tampa at minus four and a half is plenty good there. Yeah, I got some dogs this week. I was, I was I'm putting our little notes here. That I'm Which one do you think I'm against you with? Can you guess it off the top here? The, ba- the Bears. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, I got my reasoning. Here we go, though. First off, I got Tennessee uh, plus two and a half now, I think was the last line I'm seeing. I mean, they opened as a one-point favorite. I think if they were going to have the letdown spot, uh, you know, we kind of would have already seen that already with them coming off the Chiefs and the Bills win. So now against the Colts, it's a division game, and they can more or less, if you look at what they've done this year, already having a victory over the same Colts squad, they can pretty much wrap up the AFC South this early early if they can go out and get that win so getting you know getting points here it sucks we don't have julio but i still think with a healthy ajb which is great he even said today that his weight's back to where it was before that chipotle mishap hashtag you know ban chipotle don't take <laughs> ajb from us and we got derrick henry always capable of doing his thing so wentz has looked better but okay he won a monsoon game he beat the texans and he beat the dolphins before that so i'm just yeah give me the titans uh there uh bears plus three and a half here we go Look, I don't think the 49ers have earned the right to be a three and a half point road favorite. That's the thing here. I wouldn't be shocked if they win. Maybe they do win by three, but three and a half. Why? What, what have they shown more than the bears this year? The bears, I think have better wins. They actually surprisingly somehow took down the Bengals earlier this year. I do think they're one of these teams that are a little bit better at home. Now losing Khalil Mack is a big one and I can't, you know, really defend that one that much, but when you're facing Jimmy G, it might not even matter, man. He, I think is arguably the single worst quarterback in the league right now and you can say like oh he, but he he doesn't do the things well that you would expect him to do well he is the third worst quarterback in turnover worthy play rate so he is making more boneheaded decisions than almost anyone with the football and he's also the third worst quarterback in big time throw rates so he's simultaneously making a ton of mistakes and he's not making anything resembling elite throws so i just don't trust this 49ers offense enough to be a three and a half point uh road favorite but hey I got got good news for you. It's minus four now, so you can get an extra half a point now. There we go. And I will say, you know, if I had to put my confidence scale on this with a normal bet, it'd be closer like to five than eight. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying you need to pound this, but hey, we give three bets a week. This is one of mine. And then finally, another dog. I got the Jaguars plus three and a half against the Seahawks. Pretty much the same thing. I don't think Geno Smith deserves to be a three and a half point favorite. It is in Seattle. You know, I, I know we got the crowd noise always going crazy there, but Trevor Lawrence low key played two of his three best games did not i mean clearly two of his three best games of the year before the bye and if you just look at him those weeks even relative to other quarterbacks like he was almost top 10 both times in pff passing grade so if we can get that level of lawrence i think he's at least now good enough to uh you know as, as you were saying like we don't trust the mike white at all to you know come back in garbage time i do think lawrence might be at the point where we can start seeing him keep these games a little bit closer even when they go down especially against geno smith and a seahawks team that just wants to run the ball the whole game anyway so. Yeah, the Jags one. So like earlier, I put my bets in here earlier in the week and I, I had the Chargers and the Cowboys and I, I, I took those out because I think oh, they've had some changes in circumstances. I think the Jaguars, I was going to put that down on mine. I don't want to have the same one as you, but I think that's the sharpest dog bet of the week for sure. Yeah. They, they can win this game out right easily against Geno Smith is a total pumpkin. That offense can do nothing and that defense uh, is atrocious. Yeah, uh, I know they, they didn't really give up too many points last week, but uh, I think the Jags is a really good one. Totally get behind that. Um, all right, before we get to positional talk, both cash and tournaments, let me tell you guys about Jock Market. Stop throwing your money away and check out Jock Market. Uh, it is the stock market of DFS. Uh, you can buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. Uh, download it now for a 100% deposit match uh, up to $50 using code GRINDERS. That would be you deposit 50. Uh, you get another $50. So you get $100 to play with. Um, use code GRINDERS when you do that. And get this, uh, if you happen to lose in your first market, so in your first session, you sort of play on Jock Market, they call it their first market guarantee. They will refund your losses up to that $100. Uh, so I've been saying this for a few weeks on the pod. Uh, check it out. Buy and sell some shares of players that have upside that might not cost a lot and it gets you upside to win if you happen to lose they will refund that on your very first play over there. 
Uh, all right, let's jump into some DFS plays. Uh, I think it's pretty simple uh, at the quarterback position, at least in cash games, and this will also translate to tournaments. Maybe you can get a little different there. Um, but it really looks like it's Jalen Hurts week against the Lions here. They're dead last in coverage grade on PFS. He always gets there, Ian. No, you know, like it can be just about any sort of scenario. He always seems to get there. It's really hard to not see him have 200 plus passing yards and at least one passing touchdown. It's hard to not really see at least 40 to 50 yards rushing with multiple touchdown upside as well. And with a lot of the big name quarterbacks off the slate, right? We've, we, we just lost Dak probably. He's not going to be on here. Uh, well, he wasn't really on here to begin with, but we don't have Mahomes. We don't have a lot of the dual threat quarterbacks um, to get that stability as a floor for cash games, along with bringing the upside, of course. Um, Jalen Hurts seems to be the guy we're all going to use. Yeah, 100% with you. Got to get Jalen Hurts in there. I, it's just kind of funny the way the pricing is set up and you see the guys above them. I, I just can't think of a good argument to really go with anyone else because we have a bunch of guys under 6K. There's Wentz, there's Lawrence, who I like in tournaments. We'll talk, I'll talk about them in a second. But for cash, you know, that's taking a bit of a leap. And then between 6K and 7K, the only guy in between there is Tannehill at 6,600, who we can't trust because obviously too much Derrick Henry. And then you just look at the top quarterbacks above Hertz and almost every single one has a fairly decent enough red flag to get off them. Allen Stafford and, you know, Allen Stafford are looking like massive favorites who could just get game scripted out pretty soon. And Brady and Herbert are facing their two kryptonites from last season. So I think Hertz just makes all the sense of the world in cash. As far as tournaments, I do like Wentz and Trevor Lawrence with Wentz. I think a fun stack to go is Carson Wentz, Michael Pittman, and then bring it back with AJ Brown, the other side pretty easily. And then with Lawrence, you know, I agree with you, man. That Seattle defense is not good. I think they, the fact they held the saints to as few points as they did was going to be, you know, Hey, good for them, but I don't expect them to replicate that two weeks in a, in a row. So DJ Chark out of the picture, we got Marvin Jones, Visca Chenault, even Jamal Agnew as a cheap option, whose nickname is Swagnew actually. So uh, I, I probably wouldn't go with Dan Arnold in tournaments, but Hey, he actually is someone available um, in the cheaper side of things as well. Yeah, I think that whole Jacksonville offense looks pretty good in tournaments today. Um, probably maybe Arnold in cash games. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, but everyone else certainly uh, are some good tournament flyers. I think Wentz, if you if you just squint, there's a couple quarterbacks in cash. Like your lineups, instead of playing maybe one or two suboptimal skill position players, if you play a Wentz-ish level salary at 5,700, your overall lineup, I think, looks a little bit better. I, I don't think I would do something like that, but I could see where something like that might creep into some players' uh, optimal lineups towards the end of the week. Um, I, I definitely prefer uh, Jalen Hurts on that one. Uh, a couple of tournament plays I like are, are probably Sam Darnold because he's just been horrible. You, you mentioned two quarterbacks trending in the wrong direction yeah. in that game. Um, hoping for the bounce back with Sam Darnold. I think losing CMC and Terrence Marshall is, is definitely hurting that offense. Um, but the Falcons are, they're horrific on D they have no pass rush. They've allowed the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks. I think you can get behind that. I think DJ Moore is a great play. You can throw some darts on Robbie Anderson again, Chuba Hubbard. He's still getting enough of the workload. And I think that last game where we saw him not get all of the workload was just due to this weird game script for the giants where they just basically had no chance the entire game. So I think Chuba can probably um, fit into some lineups with Sam Darnold. And then the other quarterback I was also looking at uh, is Teddy Bridgewater, um, I was a little bit more into him when I thought Jerry Judy was going to play, but maybe just before we started the show, I, I think Jerry Judy did not practice. Uh, today. He said like he hopes to play, but it's not sounding like the guarantee that. Yeah. I so I guess well. that's one of the things we're going to have to wait on because like Judy was going to be a great play. I think at 4,900 in tournaments yeah. and Cortland Sutton, he can go out there and be the highest scoring receiver and any week. Um, even given his quarterback situation there. So I think he's pretty interesting against Washington. They've allowed the most fantasy points and they have the second lowest pass coverage grade as a team on PFF. They have faced a lot of good quarterbacks. So you can always sort of wrinkle that into, hey, is it the offenses they're playing or are they just a bad unit? Because they are still getting good pass rushes. Um, but those were the two guys I was looking at. I was really hoping Judy would be back because that would that would have been a big elevation for Teddy. Yeah, I just don't. My big thing with Teddy, I think this week, we kind of saw what happened against the Browns on Thursday night. Like he holds the ball so long that when he faces one of these really good pass rushes, I'm just not so sure he can stand in there long enough to take advantage of a bad secondary like Washington. So, uh, you know, Washington, I remember like the big, 
big stat everyone had after week one was they only pressured Herbert like twice on his 39 dropbacks. They've since come back and they're the third best defense in pressure rate. So I would probably stay off Teddy, but if Judy's going to be out of the picture, yeah, let's get behind Sutton because even if Teddy, you know, can't really put up the numbers himself, he can enable at least one guy. All right. Moving to running back. The, the guy we were all on last week was Daryl Henderson. And DraftKings, we are again. We're right we back. all we all used them, and he didn't perform. So it definitely seems like the performance part of the algorithm kept his salary uh, low, and not the ownership portion of the algorithm over at DraftKings, because uh, he's just too cheap at sixty five hundred. And it was it's just the Matthew Stafford in the red zone week last week going up against Detroit. Why wouldn't they do that? This is some garbage game against Houston. Uh, maybe they let uh, Daryl Henderson get some touchdowns in this game. His, he, he wasn't really having that great of a game. Uh, hopefully the statistics uh, should come back for us in the fantasy game log this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, we got to fire. His usage this year is just so um, ridiculous. I mean, every game that he's been healthy, he's been eclipsing 80 snaps without much of a problem. And if you just want to look at his you know, per touch usage as well, in terms of expected PPR fantasy points, the only guys with more than Henderson this year, Najee, Derrick Henry, McCaffrey, Kamara, Swift, and Leonard Fournette. So he is truly a high-end RB1 that continues to be treated not as such in, on DraftKings. And when he's once again, this massive favorite against a crappy Houston run defense, yeah, go right back to the well. I'm going to have like the way I kind of have my lineup uh, construction going right now, I want Hurts. I'm going to pay down at tight end uh, I got one receiver, two receivers of mine we'll talk about. Cheap Washington defense. But then I want Henderson and I want Khalil Herbert because Herbert, I think, is the second most mispriced running back on this slate. Damian Williams came back last week and was a complete shell of himself in terms of what we saw the previous week. Small chance it was just he got activated off the COVID list and they weren't confident, but he's active. And for him to kind of go on that COVID list as an unvaccinated person, I do wonder, and we've seen some athletic uh, reports indicate this, that Herbert has simply taken his place on the depth chart at this point. So Herbert last week was dominating usage, just like he did the week before when Williams was sidelined. So Herbert is at home. San Francisco defense, good, but they've given up over 100 rushing yards in five or six games. And for just 5,400 with Herbert, I think he's mispriced, and I really like some of the other spots I can go in the lineup. So if uh, you want to, after this, and again, we'll talk about the receivers, you can get all the way up to Derrick Henry um, without too much problem. I don't think you need to. I think Najee Harris is fine. Maybe even Joe Mixon against the Jets. League worst defense, PPR points per game allowed to RBs. What about a couple other guys? So we got the Eagles running backs. Jordan Howard's back in our lives uh, on the Eagles. He got signed. I don't want to mess with that. Yeah, not with that. So I think I'm going to avoid the Eagles running backs. They were looking a little bit more in play. um, I I see you got Mitchell here next to Herbert. The problem with Mitchell, he hasty played every single third down last week. We don't have a chance to catch passes with Mitchell. Herbert is the workhorse. So I think same price point. You got to go Khalil. All right. What about tournaments at the running back position? Yeah, um, I'm seeing. I'm not sure where you guys have Herbert, but he's low enough that I'm fine in cash and tournaments uh, based on what I've been seeing around the industry right now. So I'm cool with him wherever. He's been honestly great too, man. Fourth in PFF rushing grade this year. I mean, his nickname's Juice uh, there for a reason. We've got Herbert, so I just refreshed everything. Yeah, this our latest one was 10 o'clock. This was the ownership um, update. 10 o'clock Eastern at um, we have him at one percent owned. That's what I'm like. He's had 18 touches in three straight games. So I, it's one of, it's one of these rare occasions. Like usually the, what the plays I think are like the most slam dunks also probably have the highest ownership, but not this week. So give me Herbert everywhere. And then it's the two that I mentioned before, Damon Harris and Nick Chubb, I believe because of these soft matchups they have. Yeah. What I think will happen is if let's say Saturday, Sunday morning, come out, hey, Khalil Herbert is the dude, Damian Williams. He's either a, not fully recovered from COVID or he's just lost his spot in line because of how good Herbert's going on. I would imagine we would get some sort of report like that because reports come out on just about everything nowadays. We would see Herbert's ownership skyrocket. Um, Maybe maybe not to be like top three or four, but a top 10 owned running back on the weekend if something like that were to come out. Uh, A couple of running backs I like. uh, Jonathan Taylor, nobody's going to be using him. Uh, He's just good, Ian. And I I think anytime you have a running back that looks as good as he does when he actually touches the football and you can see it, he barely, if he busts through the line, nobody's going to catch him. He has the strength to do that. Um, And they're getting him a little bit more touches now than they were at the beginning of the season. If this game stays close, hopefully he can do that. Um, I I think he's a player with has massive upside that not a lot of people are going to use. 
And then if you you mentioned Michael Carter earlier in the show as sort of a run back in that game, and I sort of agree with you because Mike White was just – he was checked down city um, to both of his running backs, both to him and Ty Johnson. And with no Corey Davis, there's there's literally nobody to throw the ball to, and I don't think he has the ability to push the ball downfield. So if Michael Carter gets, let's say, 13 to 15 rush attempts along with – I think five is a, is a pretty safe minimum floor based off what we saw last week targets, uh, yeah. possibly getting double digit targets in a game like this. That adds up very, very quickly on a site like DraftKings. Um, and, and I think uh, I think he was approaching 10 percent ownership. Um, but even at that, the, the price savings he gives you to be able to put the Cooper Cups, the um, Kyle Pitts, the Josh Allen's into your lineups, that does become a little interesting to you in tournaments. Um I think that's about all I got at the running back position. Before we get to wide receivers, uh, I want to tell you guys, first, thanks to all of you who are watching on YouTube. If you do like this show, please give us a thumbs up. If you want to get access or notifications to when this show or any of the millions of shows we put forth here at Roto Grinders Go Live, please click the subscribe button. Uh, We would greatly appreciate that. And if you are watching live on YouTube, um, please head over to the Roto Grinders uh, Fantasy Football podcast feed you can subscribe to this i'll get all of those shows delivered right to your phone for on-demand listening whenever you want and while i'm talking about the roto grinders feed i will give ian props to the pro football focus uh football feed uh, on podcasts is one of the best as well uh must uh must listen to shows with uh Dwayne mcfarland that ian does both the recap and sort of the utilize utilization report um some of my favorite things to listen to during the week um ian Let's talk some wide receivers. I'll, I'll let you throw this out. It seems like some of the we've, – we've got Chris Godwin, who based off his ownership last week, what he did without Antonio Brown, um, price increase just a little bit here. Looks like he's going to be one of the more popular players this week. I think we can go right back to him in cash games. I think you could use him as your highest-priced wide receiver. You can get up to a Cooper Cup. It's a, it's a real big debate. Cooper Cup or Derrick Henry, I think I almost prefer Cooper Cup because he seemed – Like he always seems to do it no matter the game script, no matter if they're blowing a team out, he's seeming to get there. I think you can get to him. And then that 5K tier to 6K, there's a plethora of wide receivers we can use there. Dice it up for the people who are some of your favorite plays. So, yeah, the way, again, I've got the cash game show going. Hurts, Henderson, Herbert, for sure. I'm saving money with Dan Arnold at tight end, who we'll talk about soon. And then the Washington defense, just 2,100. And I, I think that they, they, they can sack Teddy enough to get that done. But so wide receiver, absolutely want Chris Goblin at just 6.4. AB being out is huge. And I also just think when you look at it a little bit more, I mean, Marshawn Lattimore is going to be sh- shadowing Mike Evans. And he has won that matchup over the years. We had the one huge week one explosion with with uh, Fitzpatrick where he had like a buck 50 and a tutty. Okay. Mike Evans is awesome. He could do that again, but we have seen Brady shy away from that matchup in two of their three battles so far. I mean, we had like the one catch three yards and a touchdown, the one catch two yards and a touchdown games coming against Lattimore. So Goblin, I think actually has a chance with AB being out and with Evans under Lattimore shadow to get one of those 12, 15 target games that, player of his talent we just can't fade and then also going down t higgins we see burrow again 38 attempts in that blowout was great to see and higgins had 15 of those targets second most unrealized air yards in all of week seven so higgins at just 5200 you know he might not even need five targets to make a do at that price based on how bad i think this jet secondary might be i know they've actually i think they're like number three somehow this year against opposing wide receivers but i think that's one of the flukier early season statistics ever you kind of look at their opponents and you see uh, why that has been the way it is so goblin and higgins from there it's just kind of like up to you i feel like you can get up to the ridley deontay keenan range if you want to and then still be able to get yourself Najee harris in the flex or if you want to go all the way up to a cooper cup or derrick henry you can just slot in michael Pittman there so i'm really fine with both routes um i haven't decided yet which one i'm probably going to prefer maybe fire them both out there but i think again with this first construction we have it gives you a lot of flexibility to get any of these plays who i think all add up 
Yeah, I was looking at um, Godwin for sure. Pittman was sort of my uh, player of choice, 5,300. A couple, he had the monsoon game, then the blowout against Houston, sort of his statistics. Even in the monsoon game, he got there with a touchdown in the yards. And he had um, a lot more targets that were just overruled on DPIs. So. Yeah, so um, I, I expect him to bounce back as the true alpha in that offense without – um, T.Y. Hilton in there. I think the he might be there though. He might. T.Y. might be back. D- did he? Uh, I thought He's questionable. I Campbell's seen... out. Campbell's out for the year. Hilton's questionable. We'll yeah, see. I still think Pittman seems to be the T.Y. Hilton will get injured two snaps <laughs> into the game anyway. So. Either, either way. He's out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you on uh, Brandon Cooks was popping in a lot of projection models. And I don't know if that was due to the fact that Tyrod Taylor was supposed to be back, but it looks like Tyrod Taylor is not going to be the quarterback this week. Um, what, do, what, what does a guy like Brandon Cooks do? This is another one of those games. We saw it basically the last two, three out of the last four weeks have been blowout losses for the Texans. He's got one double-digit fantasy game out of those three. Is he someone we should really be relying on in cash games at $5,700? And the other guy sort of Jacoby Myers at $5,100. I think systems probably run a little bit too hot on him too. I don't really want either of them. No. I mean, if Tyrod was back, it'd make it a little bit better. But with that said, he's going to be seeing, I think, far too much of Jalen Ramsey for my liking there. I mean, this offense without Tyrod, though, they've scored nine points, zero, three, five, and they've scored 22 randomly yeah, against the Patriots. So, you know, maybe Davis is he has another good game. But at this point, he's, you know, batting freaking 20% uh, with the way things are going. So, no, I don't want Cooks. And like Jacoby, I know at some point he's allegedly going to score a touchdown, but man, like I don't exactly feel like this is just a week. It needs to be happening. I think if anything, the Patriots are going to run the ball as much as possible. So Jacoby and cooks, like they're fine wide receiver threes and season long. And if you want to throw them in a tournament, be my guest. But in terms of cash, I'd much rather go down to Higgins Pittman, or again, just go up into that kind of mid six K range. All right. For tournaments, uh, I'll let you go first here. You, there's a, there's a long list of like cheap plays you can make as well. As uh, sort of getting contrarian, what what are your thoughts on some uh, low-owned wide receivers this week? Just uh, some quick guys all under 4K that I think can help you fill a lineup if you need to. Amon Ross St. Brown had five catches in three straight weeks. And it was his birthday last Sunday, and Jared Goff couldn't even feed him one target. Wouldn't expect that to happen. We have the all new Cooper long. The new Cooper Cup is, is there in Detroit. Why, what do we need Amon uh, St. Brown for? I would like to think Goff can uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Maybe complete five passes to a monogram, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see there. What a ridiculous quote uh, from Jared Van Jefferson mentioned before with the Deshaun Jackson news, it kind of solidifies Jefferson as the offense is wide receiver three Jamal Agnew has a full-time role in Jaguars uh, through wide receiver sw- uh, sets. So swag new with the Lawrence uh, stacks could make some sense. No Dawson Knox, which means Gabriel Davis should be seeing uh, more run. And then also Tyler Johnson, once again, with a B out. So those are just some cheap guys um, mentioned before I might hate myself enough to play Robbie in one or two lineups he does continue to have just all the you know volume metrics that we could ask for him and Calvin Ridley this year have been the top two most like quote-unquote unlucky wide receivers in terms of their expected fantasy points versus their actual fantasy points I think if you want to get off the nausea potential chalk going with Deontay Johnson one of only seven players averaging 10 targets per game or Chase Claypool who I think even now more so than ever we knew Juju wasn't in there but we were kind of expecting James Washington to be the other guy rotating in wasn't sure what that could maybe do to Claypool no it's Ray Ray McLeod so I think Claypool and Deontay risky with Big Ben and against this Cleveland pass rush I get it but that's what makes them tournament receivers instead of cash and then uh finally I think Keenan Allen has really been overdue for a breakout game this Patriots secondary man like okay they shut down Zach Wilson and Mike White last week (laughs) congrats but after that Dak went bonkers and Davis freaking Mills went for 303 tutties so if you look at the actual wide receiver cornerback matchups I think Keenan's gonna draw JC Jackson who gets a lot of picks but also gives up uh quite a bit of yards as well meanwhile mike williams has to go up with a guy named Jawan johnson maybe i think it's actually Jawan uh williams my bad but this dude is like 6'3 215 and has like you know arms like touching the ground pretty much so mike williams i think might have that rare matchup where he is against someone that kind of neutralizes his physical advantages and at that point maybe we see herbert get back to leaning on keenan getting him those 12 to 15 target games that really we saw a regularity in 2020 yeah, I'm on board with you with uh, Jacksonville wide receivers. I think James Robinson, and I think for good reason, as in basically every touch 
in the in the backfield for yep. the Jaguars in this game against Seattle should be reasonably popular this week. So if you switch off to the passing game, um, I think still my favorite is Marvin Jones. He's, uh, I think, the true alpha, especially when it comes uh, closer to the end zone in getting them scores. Um, but I don't mind Visca. I don't mind Swagnu either. I think they're all very good, viable tournament picks. If Elijah Mitchell, we're projecting him um, reasonably highly owned. If he continues to hold that, well, he's come down a little bit over the week. So we've got a, maybe the seventh highest owned running back. Uh, Debo, who, like he, he is, he's their whole offense. That's all Jimmy Garoppolo, all any quarterback can do is get the ball to Debo Samuel and let him do things uh, specifically head towards the end zone and score fantasy points. So I think Debo is a nice little swerve. And because Debo is so expensive, Compared to that 6K or 5K tier we were talking about, I think he will go a little bit underappreciated in tournaments this week. Uh, I was looking at Jerry Judy at 4,900. This might, if Judy does happen to suit up, this might even be a better spot because now people will be even more likely to not use him. Um, but that is something that we'll have to wait probably until that Schefter tweet on late Saturday night. Do you uh, do you think we should just go to Sutton then? I mean, I know he's. I like. I do like Sutton. Sutton without Judy definitely has a ceiling to be the highest scoring. And but arguably, if Judy's, they said last week that they wouldn't play him because they didn't think he was quite at a hundred percent. So I, mm-hmm. I think if Judy ten at, days. Well, I, I don't. I would say like maybe it'd be good for Sutton because like if Judy's active, he'll be limited, but I don't think he'll, I think if he's active, like we should expect Judy to have the full uh, time role, but either way, man, I mean, Sutton, he's not going to be like a complete uh, backup or anything like that. If Judy's out there. So with Goblin likely soaking up all the ownership right above him and uh, you know, even Keenan and Ridley, I think probably being better options at that price point, Sutton could make some sense in tourneys as well. Yeah, if, I, if it showed up, hey, Sutton's got 102 touchdowns, I would not be surprised. All right. That. That's, he's capable of that any single week. Uh, all right, let's go to tight end and let's wrap this up here. So tight end, I think, is a week. We don't have a, we don't have a Kelsey. We don't have Waller. We don't have Mark Andrews all on the main slate. So spending up is not something many people will do. Your highest priced option on DraftKings is Kyle Pitts at 6,300. Um, probably still a little tough to use him. Uh, we always like cheap tight ends because DraftKings salaries, um, just just their whole algorithm. You, you have to save salary somewhere and tight end. If there's a viable punts, generally what you want to do. Um, there is Dallas Goddard at 4,700, who should be basically the lowest priced, most full-time snap, high touchdown equity player this week. But even that becomes a little hard to fit into the lineups I was making this week. So we don't have James O'Shaughnessy anymore, Ian. We have Dan Arnold as the tight end in Jacksonville. That maybe you were onto something, Ian. Maybe if James O'Shaughnessy didn't get hurt, we would just be playing him all year. But it looks like Dan Arnold uh, has the track to be the cheapest sort of full-time-ish player with a reasonable role that we can use this week. Yeah, for those that forget, I sure don't. Eight targets on an 80% snap rate for O'Shaughnessy. I hype him up as the, you know, cash tight end. I think he was like 2.8K or something in week two. And in his three snaps, he catches a 24-yard pass and then is just done for, I think, the rest of the season. So, uh, Dan Arnold, though, yes, even more so than O'Shaughnessy, I think Arnold is like a legitimate receiver. That's how the Cardinals and Saints were using him when he was on their squads. Now, unlike Kyle Pitts and especially Mike Jasicki, like Arnold does actually play most of his snaps in line as a traditional tight end, but he's been solid. He's playing, I think it was 80% snaps and then 60% over the past two weeks. And the big thing is that he's when he's losing out, it's to Chris Manhurts, who is the most like run block first tight end you could ever find like he has four targets all season long so even if Arnold doesn't have you know like a Cole Komet almost 100% snap rate he is their like full-time receiving tight end so yeah I I agree with you man like when I initially was doing my first run through in a lineup this week I put Goddard in there with uh, Jalen Hurts but after seeing kind of the sacrifices I would have to make um, versus saving that almost 2k in cash going down to Arnold I am going to go all the way cheap this week I think there's a lot more options um you know, in tournaments, um, I know you're on TJ Hawkinson a little bit, not to spoil that one, but I'm, I'm cool with that. Um, Tyler Higby versus the Texans, fourth worst D and PPR points per game. Maybe Cup doesn't score every touchdown for all of eternity. And then finally, like Kyle Pitts at this point, I think just if you look at the where we're kind of ranking tight ends for the rest of the year, I mean, there's no Andrews this week. There's no Kelsey. There's no Waller. And Kyle Pitts, I think, is firmly in that tier of guys in terms of where they should be projected. So at 6,300, it is expensive, but I think he 
he does have the chance to distance himself enough from these other guys to maybe make a big week out of it. Yeah, I was looking. The T.Y. Hilton news has soured me a little bit. I, for Just for, you know, you get a touchdown out of your tight end, you're pretty much yeah. golden for the league. So I was looking at Mo Alley-Cox, who is definitely their big red zone threat. I was hoping Hilton would be out, but the latest uh, lineup blurb says Reich said Hilton looked good in practice Friday, so I might have to come off of that. Uh, the other one, ultra leverage play. So both Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin are going to be pretty popular. Uh, do not forget what Rob Gronkowski was doing in the red yeah. zone to start the season. Back to back two touchdown games um, before he was hurt in that Rams game. Uh, I think he is like the ultimate leverage play off of a Godwin, off of a Lenny Fournette. Um, someone I certainly don't mind uh, throwing a dart on at fifth, what, five to six percent owned, $4,600. The ultimate swerve off of Dallas Goddard at $4,700. Um, so I think that's, and I don't mind Hawkinson in pits. Um, you're basically paying up to be contrarian. If you do that, the rest of your lineup is just inherently going to look different than everyone else's. Um, probably take Kyle Pitts looks like the real deal. Don't know if this is the greatest matchup with everybody with, with your number one fan club, Cordell Patterson sort of flexing on Mike Davis and really taking over this Atlanta offense is on the upswing. I don't know if there's enough volume there every week, but there's certainly going to be weeks where Kyle Pitts uh, can get done. Uh, and that does make the rest of your lineup contrary this week. The more I'm looking at it, and this, I, I agree with what you're saying, I think just simply clicking on Pitts is going to make your lineup so different. He might be just the best tournament play of this week, almost regardless of position. He plays wide receiver. It's him. He's at 73% snaps in the slaughter out wide. Mike Jasicki's at like 94%. Nobody else at tight end is over 70. So like last week and what was wild, like he had the good game against the Jets and the London game when nobody was on him. But even in that one, you know, he's scoring a touchdown with a DN lined up over him and they didn't have Ridley or Gage. Last week, man, like you just said, like he truly started to impress. Winning against Xavier Howard one-on-one down the sideline he had the awesome one-handed snag like Pitts like I'm saying is already looking like the exception and being up there in the top five tight ends already so go get him on the spot all right real quick in defense we got just a couple of minutes here the ones that are looking popular I just refreshed our ownership rankings the Seahawks against Jacksonville I don't know but I don't know about that I sort of like Jacksonville offense more than I like Seattle you like Washington they're cheap the Bills Going up against the Dolphins, they're big home favorites. I sort of like the Dolphins' offense a little bit, but the Bills do have their number. I can get behind either of those. Is there anything else really standing out to you? I think Washington at 2,100 is the cash game play. Teddy holds the ball, and he throws picks. Like, he's just a good quarterback to play a pressure-heavy defense like Washington. I also just think that there's so many defenses under 3K this week that you can pretty easily stack mm-hmm. with some running backs. So, yeah, I almost like the Jaguars' defense more than the Seahawks. Maybe the answer is just uh, no to both. But James Robinson, the Jaguars, Jonathan Taylor and the Colts against Tannehill, who we have seen have these games where he takes a bunch of sacks and maybe a turnover or two. Khalil Herbert and the Bears against Jimmy G. I love that one, even though Khalil Mack isn't in there. Alex Collins and the Seahawks, if you want, and then Cordero Patterson and the Falcons going up against Sam Donald. Really, the Rams fifty one hundred. That's going to be one of the highest priced defenses I've seen. They won't put him past. I I want them (laughs) to make him. uh, I want the Rams to be more expensive than Jared Goff, but they won't do it. I feel like there's one guy in the pricing lane that's like, no, guys, we can't do it yet. It's too many. That fifty one hundred is very detrimental unless they basically have to score a touchdown or two to really come through for you at that price. Um, all right, that's good. I want to reiterate. I like the Bengals defense in tournaments, just paying a little bit more than the Bills to get access against Mike White at uh, lower ownership than the Bills are going to be, who actually have to go against a real NFL quarterback in Tua. So um, that would probably be my one tournament swerve. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for week eight. Uh, Ian, I'm going to go have some Mickey bars. I'm going to go yeah. eat and drink around the world. Uh, I'll be back home next week. Uh, go check out Ian's article that we talked about earlier on Pro Football Focus. It is free. Check out everything they have over there, the grades, uh, all that fun stuff that um, PFF has really become uh you know, known for in the industry. Uh, I'll once again, plug Ian's pods. Uh, basically everything he does on the pro football focus pod network is amazing. Uh, go check that out and uh, have yourself a good weekend. Uh, Ian, I got to get back to having fun. Thanks for joining me uh, for Ian. I'm Brett. Thanks for watching everybody. And we out you.